chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. This section, James is dealing with the misuse of wealth and God's addressing it. But let's read our text, then we'll dig into our study. Verse number 1, now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. They'll eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. In fact, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fatted yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Now, James, the misuse of wealth and God's addressing it. We gave this kind of outline. Number one, we're looking at the way they got their wealth, and we've covered that. Number two, the way the rich use their wealth. We're going to tackle that tonight. And then number three, what their riches will do. What their riches will do, and we'll get to that in a week or two. Now, we said Roman number one, the way they got their wealth. We spent two weeks on that. So you can listen to the tape. They held back the wages. They were supposed to pay their workers. And they were controlling, manipulating the courts with bribes and so forth. And so, again, there was a people that were being mistreated, going through some injustice. And we talked about the God hears the cries of the oppressed and God hears our cries and we dealt with that. Now tonight, Roman numeral two, the way the rich use their wealth. And we're going to see tonight the number one, they stored it up or they hoarded it. And they men, um, that tells us their priorities were off. They were hoarding wealth. Their priorities were skewed. But secondly, they kept others from benefiting. They missed their opportunity. They had confused their priorities. They had misused or failed to see their opportunity and responsibility. And then lastly, how they lived in luxury or really how they lived in self-indulgence and how they had a mistaken identity. Their identity was askew. Some's identities in the bigger truck they have or the fancier ring on their finger. But God doesn't look at any of those things, does he? And we, as Christians, we find our identity in Christ and who we are in him. But let's begin. Let's begin. Number one, the way the rich used their wealth, first point is they stored it up, and therefore they lost their priority. Friend, it's a dangerous thing when we lose our priorities. Amen? We really shoot ourselves in the foot. When our priorities, I mean, it's like you talk about the devil just steps back and just watches us beat ourselves up. Because when we get our priorities messed up, we do our own damage. There's a lot of self-inflicted damage. Because you work real hard and you spend a lot, it's something that doesn't matter a lot. And you miss and neglect the other things, amen? Now, you know, um, if, if I'm working, let's say, and it's a crisis already if i got to work on the car, but if I have to work on the car, and let's say, you know, sometimes there, there's, there's screws in there, and they're kind of at an awkward angle, you know? And I look under the car, and I mean, it's been rusted for about five years underneath there, and so it's rusted, and you're cranking on that thing, and all oh, the rust of the rust, and then it dawns on you, hey, dummy, it's not the rust, you're pulling it the wrong way, and, uh, you know, you're... Righty tidy, lefty loosey, you know what I mean? But you kind of got off balance. And when you get our priorities out of place, when you miss God's house again and again, but you're coaching the little league team, hey, we dig a lot of holes and then curse that we fell in them. Priorities do that. When we neglect our home, trying to impress the boss and the boys. And we'll come home one day and our marriage is a mess. 
we did it to our, see what I'm getting at? When we have our priorities off, we're the ones that self-inflict. Priorities are very important. Make sure your energy and your passion and your efforts are being channeled in the right way towards the right things. Because a lot of times the devil just steps back and says, let him go. Leave that tool in his hand long enough, he'll mess something up under the hood. He always does. He'll just look, they've stored it up. Ah, oh, quiet all of a sudden, quiet all of a sudden. It's easy to yell at them. We got to say, it's not my mother or my brother, but it's you sitting home on the couch. It's you standing in the need of prayer. Obviously, nothing wrong with saving. The Bible teaches that. Nothing wrong with preparation for the future. The Bible teaches us that. That's okay. But you know, in a decade from this writing, Jerusalem, where he's writing from, is going to be laid waste. And so much for all their material stuff. So let's look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And these are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says to us, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, if your treasure is in that boat in your garage, that's where your heart is. And, and come on, say amen to that. You see. See how that works? Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's Wednesday night and he's at it already. You better believe it. You know, Jesus told us to watch out for greed, didn't he? Luke 12. Watch out because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things or the abundance of titles, the abundance of awards. But here we go. To lay up treasure in heaven means to use all we have as stewards, as good stewards of God's wealth. Because everything I have has come from God. Amen? I don't own it. He owns it. And I get to manage it. And that's how we use it. So let's, let, let's, let's use our time and our talents and our treasures for the glory of God. Let's get our priorities right. Let, let's not hoard things. Let's employ things. And let's invest things. And let's use things and manage things properly for the glory of God. Very quickly, priorities, priorities. Let's start out quick. Put God first, Matthew 6 and 33. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. But seek ye first his rule and his righteousness and his will and his applause. Then all these other things that matter will be given. You'll never miss out putting God first. Listen, you'll never miss out. Your flesh will lie to you. The world will try to deceive you and sell you whatever. You'll never miss out by putting God first. Don't let anyone fool you. Don't, let, don't listen to that. But seek first. Number one, we're going to have a priority that is going to bring the blessing of God. I've got to put God first. Amen. I don't give God a tip. I give him my very best. But secondly, if we're talking about wealth and finances and our materialistic blessing that God gives us, secondly, I need to be a giver and a generous person. Go ahead, go to Luke, Luke the next one with Luke. Give, and it shall be given unto thee. Now, whether it's giving mercy, giving love, giving my time, giving the gifts that I have, isn't that right? Or, of course, giving of my finances. Give, 
And it will be, oh, here's, here's a secret. I want to connect with God, amen? We don't fly because we ignore the rules of aerodynamics. We fly because we learn them and yield to them. Can you say amen to that? You see what I mean? We, we, don't, we don't fight God and try to get ahead. We don't ignore God's word and God's will and justify. No, no, no. We find out what are the laws of his kingdom. And then we set our sails in that direction. Give and it shall be given unto you a good measure. God's not cheap and he doesn't lack. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use. You're cheap with God, he'll be cheap with with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's why be very careful about being critical about people. You're going to get it back in spades. You're going to get it back in an increased measure. Be careful how you talk about other people's kids. Grandkids, etc. Just write that down. It's in the Bible. Is this Bible? For with the measure you use, it will be what? All right. Priority. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be generous. But I'm also going to find out God's plan for blessing and how God operates his kingdom. All right? 2 Corinthians 9. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. Now, in your private time, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are two beautiful chapters on giving, financial giving. He's he's taking an offering. Amen? And if we were in the book of 2 Corinthians, if we were studying that, we would spend a few months just in these couple of chapters. But I want you to see this. I want to have my priorities right. So I need to find out how God's kingdom works and get myself in line with that. Amen? I mean, if you're going to be an engineer, electrical engineer, you, you learn all about the law of electricity, don't you? Amen? You don't just give up. going to go at it. Amen? If you're whatever, you learn the laws of that thing. Oh, I want to learn the laws of God's kingdom. So here we go. I'm going to... 2 Corinthians 10. Oh, I say 9. I'm sorry, 9. Look at, look at verse 6, please. Remember this, Paul writes, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap. He's taking an offering here. This is the context. He's taking an offering. Amen? So again, you're cheap with God. God will be... Okay. They said that there, didn't they? But if you're generous with God, guess what? God will be. And man, God knows how to bless. God knows how to bless. God knows how to bless. Oh, man, he knows. i got to tell you a story. We're never going to get done with anything tonight. <laughs> brother, brother, um, brother, brother, Jim, Jim, um, Fortenberry took me out. Pastor appreciation deal, so. He knows how to appreciate his pastor. Took me to Fred's. Amen. Nobody fries that chicken like Fred. But anyhow, and, and while we were there, we, you know, we, we, we do what any two, two, two men of God do. We, we fill our bellies and we talk about the things of God. Amen. I mean, we eat till we can't get another plate full and we talk about the good things of God. And during the conversation, he reminded me of a story that I never forgot. And I, I, I witnessed a story. When we, we left Brother Shambach the first time, went to pastor our first, first church in Syracuse. And um, they were in between people. Someone had left, and they were kind of in a little, a little bit jammed, so they called. They said, would you mind coming down? We'll fly you down to Atlanta, but we need someone to kind of do what you do. And I said, sure, I'd love to. You know, I haven't seen, that, haven't seen the group in a while. Love to. Went down, and we're in a big ballroom in Atlanta. 
And um, we're, you know, we're kind of part security, part assistant pastors, part everything else. And as we stand, I, I notice this beautiful find. Um, for the sake of the story, it was an African-American family. And I watched this lady, and she obviously seemed to be the mother. And she's, I mean, a beautiful fur and leather jacket, I mean. And the young man next to her, I mean, I'm figuring that's the son. He's got a beautiful suit, look like, you know, more than, how about that? And then the daughter, fine dress, beautiful looking girl. And in the middle of the service, you know, before this preaching, he has testimony time. Does someone have a testimony? And that, that lady, prim and proper, she got up. And she took that mic, he, obviously he knew her. And she told the most beautiful story. She said, back in the 60s, Brother Shambach, you came through in the 60s. And you rented a theater. And the power of God came. A revival broke loose. So the meetings kept going and going. But then Cats, the Broadway musical, was coming in. So we had to get out of the theater. Well, nobody was using the Atlanta, um, the Fulton County fairgrounds. So you went to the fairgrounds and you rented out a place where they, 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 what they do with those pigs? You, you judge the pigs, amen? Well, you judge the pigs. But it was winter season and it was kind of, it was cool in there. So, Brother Shambach, you took an offering to buy some big old, those big space heaters. And you wanted $100. You said, I need X amount of people to give $100. And God spoke to me and said, give the $100. Now, these are her words, not mine. She goes, at that time, my, my, my life was not making a lot of money washing floors for rich white people. Her words. And God spoke to me and said, give $100. And she goes, I began to argue with God. I'll give 50 and I'll go without eating for the week. She's, she's talking to God. She's telling the story. Lord, you don't, I don't mind. I'll fast for the week. But if I, this is back in the 60s, if I give 100, not my babies, don't ask me to cause my babies to suffer. And God spoke again. You trust me with your babies. You see, God, a man's not speaking to her. God's talking to her. And don't, don't, don't listen to men when they want your money. But when God starts to speak, she gave the $100 bill. Prayer line. He said, the people that gave, come on up. Put them in the front of the prayer line. Now that, that young man there, that 24 or 5-year-old man, he was just a little guy, a little 3- or 4-year-old. He had never spoke a word in his life. Because while she was carrying, she got German measles. So he was born mute, couldn't speak. The very first one that came in the prayer line. And she, now she's telling this in tears. And she's starting to get that preaching, or you know how uh, they can get it. I mean, I'm, I'm on my end, and I'm looking at the other guy. He's watching that part of the stage. We both, we both, blah, blah. We're both, you know, holding back from falling apart. And she goes, Brother Shambach, I told the problem, and you got down on your knees. You reached your hand into my little three, four-year-old boy's mouth, and you grabbed his tongue. You said, in the name of Jesus, I loose you. Power of God hit him. Next day, he speaks, he's been speaking ever since. Now, it didn't stop there. Didn't stop there. Later on that week, back cleaning those floors for those rich white people. Noticed that one of them had one of those, you know, these million-dollar homes back in the 60s. One of them had those shades of those curtains that was ripped and tapestry. And um, she said to the lady, the, the, 
She goes, I can fix that for you. She goes, you can do that work? She goes, oh, I can make these for you if you wanted me to. Really? Why don't you make them for me? She goes, all right. Made them. She told all her friends. 15 years, 20 years later, when I see her, Brother Shambach says, listen, Joe, she lives in Hank Aaron's neighborhood. I couldn't afford to buy her, her, um, her garage. Because once she began to do that, she went in business. God said, I, I bless the babies. I'm going to bless your bank. Because when you give, when God says give, God knows how to bless his people. I'm trying to tell you, folks, you won't go wrong obeying God. Don't go wrong obeying God. German measles, wow. But you obeyed God and released a miracle. We miss many a breakthroughs because we don't obey God. We miss many a breakthroughs because we won't obey God. We're complacent, we're hesitant, but faith knows how to step out. Faith knows how to respond. Faith knows how to trust God, even when it's challenging to stretch and trust God. So again, these people here, here we go. Let me get back. Let me get back. Our priorities, putting God first, we're being generous, and we're finding out how God does things. You want a miracle? You study the miracles in the Bible. Majority of them came after Jesus or someone gave an instruction. And when the instruction was obeyed, the power of God flowed. Isn't that right? That old, that old general, right? He had leprosy. And God could have just struck him and healed him and said, no, go dip in the lake. And not until he dipped. Peter, get out of the boat. All the power in the world was in the words of Jesus, but nothing happened until he got out of that boat. You watch it again and again. Go, 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 give your last bit of meal. Make a meal first for the prophet. And then the barrel will never run dry. You see? The devil tries to keep us so timid, so hesitant to step out and respond to the voice of God and believe God for great things. Remember, sowing and reaping. Verse 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Notice that. It's an individual, personal thing. Not reluctantly or not under compulsion, for God loves a oh, cheerful giver. And now, when we give with a proper heart, we give as we feel God wants us to give. And God is able, verse 8, God is able to make, there's going to be a lot of alls in this verse. This is a nice verse. And God is able to make all grace abound to, to who? To you. Isn't that pretty good? How about you want, you want all grace abounding to you? I could use some grace. Amen. Well, give as God tells you to give. Get on God's plan of blessing. Amen. Hey, the greatest giver there ever was. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Every good and perfect gift we have comes with God. Is a good God and gives good gifts to his children. Amen. But I want to get in that thing. I'm going to be a giver. And I'm going to give. As God puts on my heart to give. But as I begin to give in obedience to God, I tap in. I get in connection with God. I get God in the equation of my life. And if I do that, he says, and God is able. He'll make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, woo, at all times, it don't matter what they say on the TV. It doesn't matter if it's an oppression, depression, recession. If God before us, who can be against? Amen. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. If he can't supply our needs, we serve in the wrong God. We read in the wrong book. But I believe God. I believe he can bless us anytime he wants, any way he wants. 
I believe the God we serve is so great. He is not bound to what circumstances are. He's not bound to man's economy. He speaks and it is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. I like that. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need. There's a lot of alls. See what blessing comes when you start getting generous and obeying God? (sighs) Having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Isn't that wonderful? This is how God works. Can't you see why the devil wants you cheap? Can't you see why the, the enemy always wants us fearful to step out and believe? Oh, yeah. And I've, now I didn't have it on the overhead, but if you drop down to that ninth verse, it just talks about there, there's been the intent of our giving, the increase of our giving. It's a beautiful thought there. What is that? The principle of increase, the principle of intent. But now, he who, verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God says, when you begin to walk with me and you begin to abide by my plan and my principles and you begin to live as you're led of the word and the spirit, you tap into the grace of God. This grace is abounding. This grace is increasing. This grace is elevating. This grace is enabling. And God says, the more you give, I can bless you more. The more you obey me, the more I can smile upon you. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. The one that supplies seed and bread will supply an increase. He'll give increase to our store. We'll have more to give. We'll have more to give. And he'll enlarge our harvest. We'll receive more. You'll be made rich in every way. Every way. Every way. Anybody want to be rich in peace? I see some Christians can't get a good night's sleep. You can get rich in peace. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Rich in joy. Some look like they got baptized in lemon juice. Come on. You can have some joy. (laughs) You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. See, we're blessed so we can be a blessing. We're not blessed to hoard it. We're not blessed to be selfish. We're not blessed to get cocky. See, some people get blessed and get cocky. You can't breathe without the grace of God. Why get cocky? Enjoy the blessing, but employ the blessing. Spread out the blessing. Give and bless. Oh, man. Whew. Every way, every, and every occasion. You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving. Your generosity can result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't that awesome? Think about it. You can be someone's answer to prayer when you walk with God. Amen? Because when you get into this cycle, always giving, always receiving. Always giving, always receiving. That's our life. That's the life cycle of the believer. We always give, always receiving. Always give, always receiving. We're instruments of blessing. Remember Abraham and his covenant, you're going to bless the world. Christians are supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to bless our world. Christians bring peace to our world. We bring a righteousness to our world. Amen. We bring a proper prosperity to our world. Because when you get in line with the principles of heaven, families get blessed. Amen? God begins. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Where these men that James was talking about, they had messed up because they got their priorities messed up. And they were hoarding instead of releasing the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We should be investing in eternal things. 
putting God first, being a giver, as well as fulfilling our responsibilities. Quickly, one more. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. We want to put God first. We want to be generous. We want to understand God's pattern and God's plan for blessing. And lastly, we want to have an eternal priority. Uh, Priorities that have an eternal value. Over all things, let's view and measure, let's weigh everything on the eternal scale. Whatever you do, weigh it to eternity. Therefore, we don't lose heart. A lot of things that we can look at in the natural make you lose heart. Amen? You watch that news, you can lose heart. I mean, you look at the world around you, and you just say, Jesus, come quickly. Amen? Because it's a hurting world. We don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. <laughs> we, some of us getting bigger and wasting away at the same time. But, you know, outwardly, <laughs> outwardly, you know, but yet inwardly. Come on, inwardly. Hallelujah, inwardly. I was watching, uh, checking out the, the video from, from Sunday morning. Pastor Todd getting happy, hopping in the Lord. I say, bless him. He has an anointed hop, don't he? Amen, I tell you, the joy of the Lord just flows out of him. I say, keep hopping. Hope some of that gets on some of the others. We have a... A blessed hopping time in the Lord. Amen. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> this old guy, I mean, I get aches. I think sometimes I get a new one every day of the day. Amen. One disappears and two show up somewhere else. Amen. But inwardly, we're being renewed. Inwardly, we're growing stronger. Inwardly. Woo. Now, this is Paul writing this. And every time I read this 17th verse, I feel like a real wimp. I feel like a spiritual wimp. But you know Paul, what he went through, amen? And Paul writes, for our light and momentary troubles. If what he went through is light, I guess our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. Amen? They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far away from all. Because we're eternally minded. We're not temporal minded. So we fix our eyes, our focus, our affections on that, not, not what is seen. Amen? That, that, that's where you mess up. That's how they messed up in the beginning. That fruit was pleasing to the eyes. It was going to make me wise. Oh, terrible thing. You've got to watch your eyes. Be careful. Little eyes, what you see. Isn't that right? Take us back to children's church. A lot of truth in that. Be careful, little eyes. We're going to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Number one, these men hoarded their wealth instead of giving God glory for their wealth and using their wealth and being good stewards to bless others and to glorify God because their priorities were out of whack. And when our priorities are out of whack, the things we like come first. And the eternal things kind of, when we can fit them in. Amen? You know, sometimes some people, remember, well, remember I used to have a thing called, I'm not, I never did it, obviously, but mom, I always tell my mother, layaway. I was a little kid, layaway. They had a layaway. I don't know what in the world layaway is. Amen? But I remember one of my, one of my, one of my preaching mentors, he says, some, some of you women, if you, wanna, you want that dress, you know when it's for self, we do anything. When, when you want that dress of that new pair of shoes, you'll skip lunch all week long, put it on layaway. But if I ask for an offering for missions, it's give me change for a quarter. And then they say, you men are no different. Amen. 
You want that new fishing rod? I mean, you'll work extra hours at the shop. You'll go do this and that. But if someone says, well, you're going to take a special offering for, for a Haiti, it's, hey, what do they need my money for? When we get our priorities out of whack, it's simply, usually we got the temporal things taking place ahead of the eternal things. All right, let's go to that second thought now. Not only did they store things up and they lost their priorities, but they kept others from benefiting. Again, verse 3, you've hoarded wealth in the last days. Verse 4, look the wages, you failed to pay the workmen. You owed it to them. They worked for you. You had wealth and ability to employ people, to give people jobs, to help people feed their babies and put a roof over their head. And instead of using that, you, you hoarded it and you didn't pay them and you ripped them off. They kept others from benefiting. When we're selfish, we can't be a blessing. A selfish Christian's an oxymoron. The, the God of heaven is great and loving and compassionate and giving, full of mercy. He gives to those who don't deserve it. That's why we're here tonight. None of us deserve the grace of God. That's why it's grace. Amen? And when we get his spirit in us, remember how they, what do they say? The apple don't fall far from the tree? Well, if we're sons of God, we should be acting like God. Amen? We should have that love for others, that compassion for others. Wow. All right, let's look at this. They kept others from benefiting. Therefore, they lost or missed their opportunity as well as they ignored their responsibility. They missed their opportunity. You know, so, you know when you miss an opportunity, you miss a blessing. Because opportunities come so you can be a blessing and receive a blessing. But they, they, they missed their opportunity and they ignored their responsibility. God had blessed them. Their responsibility was to pay the men they owed, amen? But it was also to, 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 to use the opportunity they had in their blessing to bless others and lift others up. God lifts us up so we can lift someone else up. If you would, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. They missed their opportunity. It's good at times to take, you know, Thanksgiving coming around, right? We're going to take the inventory of our blessings. Then ask ourselves, how am I using my blessings to bless others? How am I using my blessings to bless others? Because God didn't just give them to me for me. How do we always say it? Your gift's not for you, it's for me. My gift's not for me, it's for you. See, we've been given something, not for selfish, but so we can give it to others. You see, whatever your gift is. Be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Redeeming, redeeming the time. Buying back the time. Not wasting, don't waste the opportunities that you have. We're blessed to be a blessing. But if we close our eyes to the needs around us, close our ears to the cries around us, what waste, what waste. We who know so much, we know more Bible, if we grew up in this thing, than some entire nations that haven't had the Bible. We have so much blessing. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Understand the heart of God. Understand the viewpoint of heaven. Understand what matters to God. And say, Father, let that matter to me. Are you with me? What's my next verse? 
Oh, yeah, it's John. Go to John. Go to John. But again, they missed their opportunity because they had it. They kept others from benefiting. They missed their opportunity to be a blessing. And Jesus says something wonderful here. Um, he says, don't you say four months more and then the harvest? But I tell you, you know, it's kind of like you got to sow and you got to wait. He's saying there's no time to wait. The, the opportunity is all around us. I tell you, open your eyes and see. Look at the fields. They're ripe unto harvest. He's saying, listen, look around you and see the needs. Look around you and see the opportunity to be a blessing. You don't have to look very far. You just have to look. And you'll see all around you people that can be prayed for, people that can be lifted up, people that can be encouraged, people that need the good Samaritan, that oil and that wine to be poured into their wounds. There's people that need to be supported as they carry the gospel. Amen? See, these are rich men, but they missed their opportunity because we're blessed to be a blessing. But sometimes if we don't look, we won't see the opportunities all around us to be a blessing. When we wake up in the morning and say, Lord, help me to be a blessing today. Order my steps so I can be a blessing today. It might be giving someone something material. It might just be giving someone a kind word. It might be sharing the hope that you have within you. But these rich people, their priorities were messed up. So they didn't recognize the opportunities around them to use the blessing God had given them. They missed their opportunity, and of course they ignored their responsibility. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed so I can take care of those I'm responsible for. I'm blessed so I can even go beyond that circle to those that are just hurting and need God, and you and I are ambassadors of God, aren't we? If you would, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, they kept others from benefiting. Don't keep others from benefiting from your blessed life. Don't be selfish with your blessing. And you're blessed. If you know Jesus, you're blessed. Amen. If you walk with the Lord, you are rich. Amen. You are rich in what really matters. Now, if you grew up in an old Italian church, after John 3.16, by grace, and then after by grace you saved, they, they, this one right here. I never knew what an infidel was. It was old King James, an infidel. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith. And he's worse. That's strong language in the Bible. He's worse. King James is going to say infidel. I remember that as a kid, right? Seven years old and the world's an infidel. Unbeliever. They missed their opportunity, and they missed their responsibility. When I get selfish with the blessing, I don't fulfill my responsibility. God has blessed me, but he's also given me responsibility. Amen? It's amazing, back home, factory country, and of course there's always layoffs and this and that. And it's amazing how the same guy that, that can be grumbling about going into that factory just waits till a layoff comes. And all of a sudden, you see him in church on a Wednesday, and um, he, he's, he's, he's on that prayer list. And all of a sudden, when a job opens up, oh, he's thanking God for that job. And he wasn't thanking him. You see? I said, oh, thank God for that job. That's the blessing God gave you to put a roof over those heads, put food in those bellies. Amen? Hey, God's our provider, but he uses various things to bring that blessing into our life. Sometimes we miss the blessing of God. I've seen men complain about their jobs. 
felt like saying, would you rather be on welfare? I probably have said that in the past, huh? you know. No, I've heard him complain about What are you complaining about? That's God's gift to you. So you can feed those babies. Keep a roof over that head. So you can give for the cause of missions. Are you with me? We're selfish generation. We're selfish. And we preach the gospel that it's actually helped our selfishness. You can preach this thing the wrong way and, and what you give birth to is a bunch of selfish people. You see? But the true gospel is a generous gospel. When the heart gets touched, it's loving. It's full of mercy. It's willing to give. It's willing. To, it's looking. It's looking for the fields. God wants us to use our talents and opportunities to do the works of God and to bless others and also fulfill our responsibilities. If I'm not fulfilling my responsibility as a husband, as a father, I'm worse than an unbeliever, the Bible says. Did I read it right? He has what? Denied the faith. And he is worse than a... I'm just making sure I'm reading the right thing. I'm just making sure. I have to remember that I will be held accountable for how I've lived, how I've served, how I've used my life and the blessings God's given me. We all know 2 Corinthians 5, that judgment seat of Christ, where I'll be judged for what I've done in the body, what I've done. And God will say, I gave you so much, did you give it out? I gave you these opportunities, did you take them? You had so much, you were throwing it out. Did you bless someone? Let's, number one, let's be a blessing and, and let's pass it on. Let's pass it on. We're blessed to bless. Be alert to the opportunities and be willing to be part of the answer. You can be an answer to somebody's prayers. And remember, when you miss, you miss a blessing when you miss an opportunity. You miss a blessing. I'll go back to that original story. That, that lady, if she had not responded to God, and the opportunity to give to support the work of God. What a blessing she would have missed. Amen? Yeah. So many times, God gives us opportunities because he wants to bless us. Goliath did more for David than King Saul could have done. An opportunity, a challenge that we respond to, God uses to bless us. All right, let's just look at our last few verses and we'll close it up. What's the next verse I have, Darina? Let's take a look. Because we want to give. We want to give. Amen. A generous man will himself be blessed. A generous man. Amen. Generous man. For he shares his food with the, with the poor. With the poor. Amen. Um, Proverbs 19. Let's go to Proverbs 19 now. These are all... These are all good verses here. These are all good verses. Hallelujah. We want to be givers. Amen. We're not going to be hoarders. And we're going to look for opportunities to be a blessing. We want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And we want to recognize. We thank God for the blessings he's given us. But now we're going to use them to bless others and carry on the will of God. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Isn't that cool? For he will, God will reward him for what he's done. That's pretty neat. That's why it's so nice, those, those of you that 
take your prayer line ministry seriously and the Tuesday prayer seriously? How, how many times you pray and we're crying out for people you might not even know? Other people's kids and grandkids that are off the wall. Amen? But you know the time comes when you need prayer. God could look into that account and say, oh, they got a full account. They've been generous. They, they've prayed for others. They've wept for others. They have barely even met. Now they're in a need. I'll raise up others to pray for them. If you're kind, you're lending to the Lord. Wow, what a beautiful principle. What a beautiful principle. And there's another one. I don't think I gave it to him. Um, Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. We're going to close with this. But again, the way the rich were using their wealth was condemned of God. They were storing it up. They lost their priority. They were out of whack. And they were keeping others from benefiting. They were blessed, but they weren't blessing others. And when we're blessed, God expects us to bless others, look for an opportunity, and make sure you take care of your responsibility. We're going to close it. We can't go any further tonight. But here we go. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. Verse 25. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Man, generosity. Path to blessing in the scripture. Path, path to increase. But I like that. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Isn't that good? I think that's a good rule for us. Amen? If you can give finances, give it. If you can give you, you, you can give with encouragement all the time. Isn't that right? Some of us don't have a lot of natural to give. We give according to what we have. But we can all give encouragement. Amen? We, we can all give some kindness. We can all give some compassion. That's within all of us, isn't it? Amen? I mean, sometimes a big offering, well, you can get, you get the best. It won't be big. But, it, you know, it might be, even if it's sacrificial, it might not be big. You can only go so far with what you got. Amen? But... We can refresh others. And God says, you know, because you took time out. Sit with that little old lady you barely even knew. And wept with her a little bit. Spoke some words of encouragement. When you're in need, I'll have someone right there at the right time to lift you up and to refresh you. God doesn't miss any of it. And the Bible says... If we refresh others, we ourselves will be refreshed. What have been to give and it shall be given. Amen? Give and it shall be given. Go ahead.
Amen. 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 Say it. Say it. Yeah. Say it. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. We're thanking God for everything he's doing. Keep it up, Lord. Keep it up, Father. In Jesus' name, continue to heal. Continue to strengthen day by day. Father God, refresh and revive your servant. Father, we thank you for everything you've done in Robert's life. And we pray, Father, continue your good work, body, soul, and spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, strengthen him, encourage him, mend him, lift him up. Oh, let every yoke of oppression go in Jesus' name. And let strength and the refreshing of the Spirit just lift him up and give him a a new start, a new day, a new power, a new grace. And Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you teach us. Because Lord, we are a blessed people. You have blessed each one of us in so many different ways. We're blessed, Lord. So help us, Lord, to recognize the blessing. But help us, Lord, to use the blessing in a way that honors you. Help us to be alert to the opportunities around us to encourage others, to lift others up, to help others in their hour of need. Father, help us to keep our priorities in proper order and alignment. And Lord, help us to fulfill our responsibilities to make the most of our opportunities. And help us, Lord, to take the blessings you've given us and not hoard them, but pass them on and touch others with them. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you on Sunday.